Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I'm fairly certain that a job that I was interested in fell apart when we looked at the cost of getting me into London early in the morning, particularly when I'd have to pay tax on getting a taxi at a time when the trains weren't running. But there's lots of things that we pay tax on that just don't seem fair, whilst the very rich manage to evade a lot of it, often all of it. Generally speaking, tax is complicated and often crazy. Today, we look at what's wrong with it and some of that crazy stuff that goes on uh, now and in the past, like, for example, a tax on windows or a tax on names. Uh, We'll look at all of that today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. Now, I was, uh, Steve, I was in discussions about a radio job uh, this last month, which would have seen me getting up at uh, four in the morning to go to London. Uh, and I was told, I mean, it all fell apart over the price because obviously I'm, mean, you know, enormously expensive talent to hire. Uh, hmm. But actually, the, the main reason was actually the cost of getting into London because I reckoned, because I had to be there at four. I live in, uh, in Surrey. I reckon it cost at least £100 a day to get someone to drive me into London so I could get the train back because there's no way in the world I was going to drive in, go through the congestion zone and then spend two hours trying to get back in peak traffic. So I said, well, OK, you've got you to have someone to drive me in so I can get the train back, which would work out about £500 a week. They said, well, you'd have to pay that. would have to include it in the salary. So that's £2,000 a month. Uh, so sort of like about, you know, if take a few weeks off holiday, that would be about £20,000 a year. But that's in post-tax money. So I'd actually have to be asking them for... £34,000 on top of, you know, what I want in salary just for the cost of getting there. So, and of that 34000 about 14000 of that would go direct to the tax office, to the HMRC. So this very idea, and I want to talk this week about crazy taxes mm-hmm. and how they distort behaviour. So almost certainly... This was becoming a big number that was getting added to the number I was already asking for for getting out of bed so early. Uh, but the tax, I think the tax office, you know, put the nail in the coffin on that. This very idea that getting taxed for a journey to work, to me, is just crazy because you are, in effect, and it's the same in most places in the world, you are, in effect, getting taxed before you even start working. And, I, you know, just one example of many crazy taxes. Yeah, and that's not the worst by a long shot. I mean, mm. and this is the... Um, I mean, for example, with a crazy tax, the tax that uh, I think it was the Victorian government in Australia was talking about putting on electric vehicles uh, because they were going to lose revenue out of sales tax on petrol. <laughs> and that then means that you're trying to move away from, uh, from, from uh, petrol-based systems and here's a government bringing in a tax for its own needs because the state government can't create money, of course, uh, which then gets in the way of the of the transition. Yeah. But there are far... You surely got a better example of that than a bad tax, mate. I thought you'd have a few... Oh, I've got loads of... Well, just on that, I've got, uh, there's a, I've a got a million and one. This, 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 this is what prompted me okay. down this avenue because I was thinking how crazy I'd have to pay. I'll give you another example because while I was researching this, I went to the HMRC website for case studies and this is a yeah. case study they give, uh, which is that there was a, a case where a woman hurt her leg 
and couldn't get the tube to work, so the employer paid for the taxi for her for two weeks. The HMRC deemed that that was a payment in kind and taxed her for the taxi journey, so she was out of pocket. A journey, so she was actually paying more than she normally would to get to work because the because the the company had said, oh well, yeah, you need to get to work. You can't get there on the on the on the uh, on the tube. I mean, two words spring to mind there. The first word is heartless. The second word is bastards. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that is just, you know, pigheadedness of, uh, of tax collectors. There's 17,000 pages of tax code in the UK. So there's plenty of opportunities for people with expensive accountants to work their way around it. But if uh, only if you've got money to protect, if you're a low income earner or even an average income earner, and, the, you know, there's nothing to dodge. You, you're on PAYE, you pay, your, your company pays you, you pay the tax. Uh, but 17,000 pages of code that other people can use for multivarious ways of avoiding tax. And you just think, why can't this be simpler rather than having all these crazy taxes? Well, this, this is, again, where having a modern monetary theory perspective on taxes makes a huge difference. Because if you mm. think about tax as, as, a, as a form of revenue for a government, then you're saying you've all got to contribute your bit. I mean, for example, Elon Musk, uh, I said, sent a little tweet out recently saying he wants to uh, you know, at least get a cookie uh, if he goes to the Internal Revenue Department uh, in Washington one of these days because he's just paid the biggest tax bill in history, which is, about, I think, about $9 billion US dollars after he sold uh, his shares to, to, uh, to, uh, for a range of reasons, but to enable paying tax. And if I can, you think, you think oh, there's $9 billion which can now be used by the government for spending. But when you see taxation as, as really a way of the government taking out of circulation the enormous amount of money it spends in, or slightly less than all that money, because if it didn't do that, you'd have an explosion in the money supply every year, uh, then it isn't a case of the taxation paying for anything. It's the taxation meaning that that money that's been pumped into the economy by the government comes out of specific people's bank accounts rather than uh, and overall, than overall accumulating we, in them. Yeah, and overall reducing the amount of money that's in circulation. But, I mean, they, in doing that, you'd want to do it at the same time. You'd be wanting to make sure you're taking it from the people who have excessive wealth versus those who are actually struggling to get by. And what's actually happening, because it's easy for those with excessive wealth to evade the taxation, the money's being taken out of the bank accounts of the middle class and the poor, and they're complaining about government taxation with every bloody reason to do it, because the taxation burden is falling on them and not the wealthy. So you can, you can understand the negative attitudes towards taxation that most people have, and it's made worse by the awkwardness and the, the craziness of some of the tax regimes that have been invented over time. And when you look back, those tax regimes were invented in the belief that tax was raising revenue for the government. And that's the problem. It's not. Yeah. So, so I, some of the, I want some of those examples. I'm sure you, you, have to, you, have to, you have to have some beauties now, are you? What have I, you got? There? Oh, well, I, what I love, I mean, I've got loads of them, but I, I, but I, uh, which, I mean, I'll give you one now, but I want to get back to this idea about, you know, taking money out of the economy. My favorite one is uh, yeah. back in, it doesn't exist today, uh, but it is sort of like trying to tax wealth, is the uh, the famous window tax that they used to have in the UK, in, the, the window tax of 1696, because it was thought those with a higher income generally lived in nicer houses and nicely nicer houses generally have more than two windows so you'd get you'd pay tax based on the uh, the number of windows can you see a problem with that 
The problem is that people <laughs> people started bricking up the windows as a as a tax dodge. Or you know, these days you just make bigger windows, wouldn't you? So just have one big window at the back of the house, so you pay less tax. Uh, well, apparently, that's a similar thing behind. I mean, the very charming architecture of Amsterdam, which you know, very tall and narrow houses. The reason was the tax was levied on the width of the building. Yeah. <laughs> so you then you then get a response which creates what looks like a really cute architecture, but the reason behind it is crazy. Um, and and uh, and so what we're all doing is trying to av- avoid being the ones out of whose pockets the government revenue, which has been created by spending, is taken back. But often, because it's the wealthy who can manoeuvre the ways around those controls the most, it ends up being the wealthy who benefit from the level of government spending because they're the ones who benefit from the spending but don't get the taxation burden in, in the opposite direction. And it's the way it distorts behaviour as well, isn't it? Because I remember when I first arrived in uh, in Australia in the early 90s and uh, I was involved in the, the printing of some brochures. I worked in, in tourism and there was a lot of brochures being uh, produced Produced. And it was the days when there was a, a wholesale sales tax on printing and you would only pay it uh, or if the majority of the print run was for Australia. So nothing was ever for Australia. It was always for Australia and New Zealand. And amazingly, most brochures that were printed for Australia, there was greater demand for those brochures in New Zealand. So you so you take the majority as being for New Zealand and then the incremental cost of printing a bit extra uh, for Australia, you pay the tax on the incremental cost. So imagine you wanted a hundred thousand, you wanted fifty thousand brochures printed. We go, okay. Well, actually, we need uh, we need fifty thousand for Australia, but we need uh, sixty thousand for New Zealand, uh, and the incremental cost of the extra, because you know by the time you set up all the print costs, etc., uh, was a lot less. It might only be twenty five percent of the total cost. So you pay tax on the twenty five percent, not the sixty thousand, and uh, the sixty thousand supposedly would be shipped off to New Zealand, but were actually burnt. Oh, no. Because why would New Zealand want 60,000 brochures if Australia only wants 50,000? That was quite common practice. And that's the – and I have a feeling, you know, just as we – you know, there's – Taxes are helping the the rich. They are also probably you know chewing up resources. Well, you get you get you know you gave an example of of trying to stop you know tr- attempts to try and improve climate change getting taken away by uh, by tax. You know it's uh, it's it's crazy, isn't it? And but it be, it's because it's all so bleeding complicated. How can you ever know what the repercussions are of any tax that you introduce? Yeah, and this is one reason why if you if you do come up with a you know, a, a modern monetary theory perspective, then you say, well, let's look at our tax system again. Mm. Uh, you're not trying to tax to raise the revenues. In other case, you're paying for things. You're trying to prevent it accumulating just in the hands of the wealthy and enable it to be distributed through the rest. You share the burden of taking the money out of the, out of the economy. You don't share the burden of, of building government services and so on. So you, if you look at it and think, well, you know, what what is the, possibly the worst way we can do this? And the answer, I think, is income tax. Because with income tax, it's very very hard for an average worker to evade income tax. It's very easy for the wealthy to declare a whole lot of costs that they have that they don't actually aren't actually costs, but call them costs, and they they end up evading it. And the the, t- the income tax is paid by the middle class and the poor. It's not paid by the wealthy, and therefore the wealthy are the ones who accumulate government money over time, which. It, funnily enough, keeps them wealthy. Yeah, it's interesting because you often hear this argument: where, well, the, the rich are the ones paying the most tax, 
Uh, but, you know, that, that doesn't mean that they couldn't pay more. So there's 32.2 million people paying tax in the UK. 27 million of them are paying a proportion of their income at 20%. So that's 83%. So in other words, they're on the lowest tax bracket, which is, you know, quite a mm. lot. 4.1 million are paying some of their income at the 40% bracket. So still quite a few. And just 440,000 are paying the top rate of 45% of tax. Now, is that because there are just 440,000 people earning that amount of money? Or is it they're just the ones earning that amount of money who haven't got very good accountants? And the, uh, so they couldn't manage to get themselves down to a, to a lower ta- tax bracket. I mean, that all sounds quite progressive, doesn't it? Except for that question about, you know, are the, are the top ones not paying the top tax? Are, are, you know, are there many more of them who are just evading tax? But the bottom 50% of all wage earners actually pay a quarter of all tax. So we're thinking that, you know, from what you're saying, well, actually, tax is really just a way of withdrawing money from the economy rather than paying for services. You'd be thinking, well, the bottom 50 percent, you know, you wonder whether they should pay tax at all, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. There's only a good argument not to tax them at all. Um, or, and, and this is like in some ways one of the few things that I like that Milton Friedman ever proposed was negative income tax. Uh, below a certain income level. So b- below a level which you regard as you know, effectively being a poverty uh, wage anyway, you don't pay tax at all. In fact, you get a negative tax rate. And that, I think, would make eminent sense, something of that nature, which then takes the poor out of the equation of being duped by the rich uh, and transferring the, the burden of taking the money out of circulation uh, from, the, from the account bank accounts of the poor rather than the rich. Mm. So I want to talk about tax for people who can't raise, uh, create money themselves, local taxes. First of all, here's another crazy tax, just to keep people interested. In Sweden, <laughs> the tax office has to approve names and uh, you can be charged, they can charge you if it's, you have a, a name tax, if you choose an irregular name. Basically, if you name a child a name that's already been uh, used and approved, then that's all fine. Uh, but if you uh, come up with another name, then you will get charged by the tax office. Someone wanted to call their child Metallica, and the tax office wanted to charge them a tax on that. Uh, and uh, it, there was a court case for it. Obviously, the tax office wins because they always do. Uh, so there we are, a tax on names in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> There's more. But what about mm-hmm. uh, local taxes then? Because they're obviously, I mean, first of all, they're hugely regressive. So even allowing for rebates and benefits, the poorest 10% in the UK pay 7.1% of their income in council tax, while the richest 10% only pay 1.5% of their income in council tax. Because, uh, And they've got much bigger houses. So you know, you'd be thinking, actually, they'd be paying a higher proportion because, of course, the council tax is based on the rateable value of the, of the property that you live in. I just this the reason for this, of course, is because local councils have got to pay for services. They've got to charge people who live within their service area. They do sort of get some uh, grants from from central government, but by and large, they're left to try and survive on their own. So they are always going to struggle with this idea of because uh, here they're not creating money. They they basically can only spend money that they're getting in in tax, which is the way everyone mm. thinks it works at the federal level. Should we just get rid of local taxes and just take it from central coffers? Because then money yeah. can be created. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you want to find as, as many ways of avoiding uh, government instrumentalities being unable to use government money creation to finance their activities. When those activities are obviously valid, you, you need to have councils. You need to have, uh, you know, uh, 
if you even need to have parking inspectors, mm. uh, let alone the other services that councils offer. So you, if you if you lock them out of being able to use the money creation capability of the state, then they start imposing their own crazy taxes. And then those crazy taxes tend to be ones that the poor can't evade, which the rich can. Uh, or you get even worse with Maggie Thatcher's stuff. And that's where I saw it when I was living in the UK. Uh, was it called the poll tax? Yeah. Was it all the, they, which the basic tax? Oh, the no, different thing. So the poll tax was, was basically the idea that everybody should pay the same flat rate for uh, f- f- uh, for council tax in in their area, uh, irrespective of, uh, of of what your income was. So there was so if you were a millionaire living so it, uh, ironically Westminster, which didn't need to provide many many services because there's not many poor people there, lots mm. of rich people. Rich people basically didn't pay any tax whatsoever. But if you lived in a suburb of uh, Southern Sheffield, for example, where there might be a lot of poor people, those poor people had to pay a lot more because they needed all the services that poor people demanded. So mm-hmm. it was the ultimate user pays experience. And, of course, you know, it wasn't very popular for those people who all of a sudden found that they were destitute. And there were poll tax riots, and it basically saw off Margaret Thatcher because she was so stupid she couldn't see that actually poor people don't like being screwed into the ground. And, and that's one of the dilemmas, that because when you, if you take money out of their bank accounts when there's not a lot to be in there to begin with, then, of course, they're going to revolt against extra taxes. So the same thing for Macron, for example, for putting a diesel tax on uh, on consumption of diesel, which didn't affect Parisians all that much. We tend to, you know, a, a they drive cars and b they uh, they have the fantastic public transport of Paris uh, to get around if they need to. Uh, whereas they're living in the periphery, you, know, you suddenly uh, couldn't afford. You know, particularly if your job had been outsourced and you'd been turned into a, 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 a crazy form of contractor, you couldn't afford to uh, pay for the diesel and pay for the kids' education. So bang, you got the gilets jaunes riots. So all this stuff is, uh, it's, it's one reason you've got to be so careful about imposing, imposing a tax. And fundamentally, let's look back at it and see what are you trying to do? The main thing is just take excessive money out of circulation. How do you do it in a way that minimises social disruption and, minimize, and, and, and doesn't end up putting all the money in the hands of the wealthy? Uh, I'm actually much more in favour of transaction taxes these days, mm. things which are very hard. You can't move a transaction offshore. You can move the apparent receipt of the income from the transaction offshore. But, the, so but, 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 see- but you know, rich, very rich people are not transacting as much are they so i mean whereas poor people are spending money all the time so you you'd be ta- you'd be taxing them theoretically more uh, proportional to their income because they the the number of transactions they're going to have it's going to be a, a higher proportion of their net wealth depends on financial transactions transactions are in there as well but just mm. something to to mean that i mean tran- one of the one of the, the classic instances of of uh, of people exploiting uh international differences in tax regimes is what the what the island has done attracting all these multinationals over and paying a lower rate of tax and bang suddenly you get enormous uh gdp but much lower national income in, in ireland out of that um the extent to which people game taxation uh is you know incredibly aggravating and then the fact that it falls on income is one of the reasons you get the negative attitude towards government's uh, taxation without thinking about what is what impact government spending has at the same time so something just i mean you have no idea of how to do it but it's some, but something which which is based on financial transactions 
uh, would be yeah, makes like sense. Like, like, like people, like people, yeah, will be like the Robin Hood tax that people were talking about. So all financial traction. That I mean, that was partially, wasn't it? Because it was a good way of raising money. The idea that for every single financial transaction, every trade you make, for example, uh, and, and it was you know it would make a lot of money because there's a lot of trades going on, and increasingly, of course, there's a lot of speculative trades happening. The other thing was it would you know it would slow down the speed of those trades, so perhaps the trades would actually relate more to the value of the underlying asset so we, we wouldn't have quite the same volatility on the money markets but the money markets are, are, you know if you want to look for a place where there's a lot of money uh, and you want to you want to try and uh, clip the ticket on it that's obviously the place to go isn't it it is but uh, it, it's also um i mean if looking at the scale of the scale of government spending why do we have tax in the first place and the argument is, is not of course the tax funds government spending uh when they know that that's that's a, a non-argument in terms of it, when, you, when you actually understand how the government creates money and so on, it's mainly because if the government didn't tax back the amount that it spent, you would have an enormous uh, level of uh, of inflation. And just to give you an idea of how much this has changed over time, there's a, a data series the Federal Reserve has called the sorry, not Federal the uh, the St. Louis Fred St. Louis Fed, yeah, yeah. Called, yeah, called Federal Net Outlays Percent of Gross Domestic Product. And if you go back and look where this actually begins, they, they, they only take it back to 1929. I've got data going back to 1901. But they, in 1929, the level of federal net outlays was 3% of GDP. Now, if you fast forward to where we are now, it's 31% of GDP. So if you had a, a level of government spending equivalent to 3% of GDP, there'd be no problem in not taxing because that is roughly the level of you know, of, of, of real economic growth. And if you imagine that money turning over twice a year, then, you know, in a bit of inflation, you can imagine getting a, a 2 or 3% rate of growth out of it. So at that level, there's no need to tax. But when you're producing, when the, when the government federal outlays the 30% of GDP, then if you don't, you're going to have this huge inflation in the money supply. And this comes back to a question is, is it the definition of money that's at fault? Because we have money which doesn't depreciate unless inflation is imposed upon it. Uh, would we be better off if money was designed in the gazillion fence where it, where it did it, it depreciated if not used. So you're and saying that's that's because at thirty percent of GDP the government is pushing so much more money into then the economy. Then it has to tax to bring some of the money out of circulation. Yeah, right. But but, it, but, but I mean, yeah, that, but that, it, that's not all new money, is it? Because it's getting issued as bonds. So only so it's not creating new money. It's it's just money that's switching from the government into the into into the bond market. No, it's, it is creating new money. When you've got that level of out, outlays, if there if there wasn't taxation to balance it, then you would have a thirty percent increase in the money supply right. every year. So, like, if I go back to, I go back, I can go back to nineteen oh two point six for some reason. I don't know why it is, but I got data back to <laughs> July, uh, and at that stage, two percent of GDP, and right out to the start of. Uh, it was actually the end of, of, of World War Two. It was down at point uh, uh, of a percent was net outlays, and then you have the great the, the Roaring Twenties, the Great Depression, um, uh, the post-war recovery period. Now we're at a level where, you, where it is an important question as to how the government takes uh, money it's created out of circulation, and income tax only came in during I think during the Second World War um, as a way again of reducing. Um, private sector spending, not financing the war itself, but reducing private expenditure on goods and services. We've been locked into thinking that's actually funding funding government. It's not. It's 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 reducing the impact of government funding on the economy. 
uh, but it's reducing it at the expense of people who are at the bottom of the pecking order. And that's, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying I'm in favour of transaction taxes tomorrow, but we have to look at how income tax today distorts how people think about the government and what that's done to our politics over time. And it's, it's you know, it's what led to Maggie Thatcher in many ways. So when you talk about a transa- transaction tax, you, I mean, you're talking about something equivalent to GST or, or VAT. You're talking about it at, at every step along the way. So if I, if I make something and I sell it to you and then you add to it and sell it again, it gets taxed at each stage. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'd, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a, a transactions tax. It's saying how right. do you take some of the money out of circulation that's being created by the government? How do you do it? Mm. And it could be every transaction is taxed at a trivial. Like you wouldn't be the ten percent rate of a VAT or seventeen percent rate of some VATs. It could be a lot lower if every last transaction was hit and you you couldn't net it out as you do with a with a GST or a value added tax. Mm. Um, but something just says, okay, how do we remove the excessive money we've created uh, so that we're not causing a run or, you know, an inflationary bubble in the economy all the time? And uh, you know, again, I have no idea how it would look, but the, that's the important question is to ask is what are you doing with the tax and you're not financing government spending, you're reducing the impact of the government spending on the rate of growth of the money supply. And then that gives you a very different perspective as to how you should do it. And if you don't, if you don't do it properly, then where does the money accumulate? Well, at the moment, it's accumulating in the hands of the wealthy, and that's one of the problems of capitalism. Is that the where the, the way we handle the tax system right now is accentuating inequality; it's not reducing it, and making it very complicated as well. I mean, those the, you know seventeen thousand pages yeah. of code. So we want to put an extension on our house, and uh, you know, with my upbringing, I was thinking, well, okay, we'll save, we'll save money, and uh, mm-hmm. and then pay the builder. But you know, the advice is, no, no, no. You want to do, no, 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 do that. You want to, you want to, you want to get a, more, you want to add to your mortgage, uh, and then use the money that you would have been paying. Uh, to uh, to the builder, you know, pay that into into the uh, into the uh, into your pension fund, basically, so that uh, you know the the pension fund means you'll pay less tax. So you get the money, you know, you'll 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 get the same money when you get the money out of your pension fund later to pay down the mortgage. Uh, so you know, I'm incentivized to basically carry debt. It's just bloody complicated, isn't it? You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, like I've got. I had a similar experience when I moved to the UK. I uh, didn't realise how much how much more expensive life in the UK was than in Australia. Mm. So I thought I'd just drop some of my my superannuation money and put over ten thousand pounds, I think, of my superannuation money, and found that the English government decided to tax me four thousand quid of the ten thousand because Who's I that? hadn't paid tax on it back in Australia. So they were very very nicely, very thoughtfully imposing tax in the UK. I went, what the fuck? So I started looking for ways to evaded and I was going to bring over gold coins and pay tax on the $100 face value of the gold coin when it was worth about 10000 and evade the root control, which I did not do, I might add. But that's the sort of thoughts you get driven to with these crazy um, taxes that really have got nothing to do with the overall purpose of tax, which is opposed, as I've said, yeah. from a modern monetary point of view, taking money, excessive money out of circulation. So there might be another reason for it. Should tax be used to change behaviour? So like a tax on yeah. sugary drinks, for example, or we've got the, the London congestion zone, which now costs £15 a day. The problem is you've also got the London, and this is a bit like you know the, the problems that Macron's faced in France. We've got the London mm. low emissions zone now, which costs £12.50 per day, which is a much bigger area, 
lots of an area where lots of people are living basically if you've got an old car you're going to pay it's going to cost you 12 pound 50 to get on the road every day uh, mm. and it's hitting those people who probably can't actually afford a new car but nonetheless you do have that issue how do you get these things off the road mm. um and uh, again you could do it in a positive sense you can create the money to do it and say let's actually pay somebody to take it off the road yeah um but then you get your other issue okay how do you take the money out of circulation on the other side but yeah it's it, oh you, you, oh, you could uh, oh, you could you could follow hitler uh, what uh, do, do the only good <laughs> the only good idea thing you had uh, was you know not only creating the uh, the Volkswagen but also actually saying well let's make it so that it's affordable to people so let's uh, offer low cost finance to people so that everyone can afford a car uh, you know you mm-hmm. could you could do the same let's uh, let's offer low cost finance for electric cars for example which is feasible but again it, 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 once you see the government as a money creator rather than a money borrower mm. and, and then it, it doesn't have to tax to spend it, it's, it's spending itself as the issue then you reframe all these all these issues and you know and, and tax is clearly one how you can do incentives is the other because how does the government pay for an incentive like that it creates the money it's not a case of having to raise the money so you can change the debate um, but uh, you know, as you said, the, the main catastrophe is this incredibly complicated uh, tax code. What, 70,000 pages for the 17. UK? It's not quite that bad. 17,000. 17, near enough, near enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's written in, a way, written in a way that you'd feel like you're reading 70,000 pages. So, I mean, and, they, and then what you've got is a whole industry, uh, absolutely. which is around evading that taxation. Of course, the only people who can access the industry are the wealthy. So you get caught that the whole thing ends up defeating the purpose uh, that it should be there for in the first place, which is to put the burden of this of of, um, of reducing the money supply uh, on the wealthy rather than the poor. Well, it's not just the wealthy. I mean, that you know, that industry supports everybody, doesn't it? Unless you're on PAYE, pay as you earn, which the, the company's paying it for you. Uh, you know, I don't earn an extravagant sum of money. I need an accountant just to work out my tax because, you know, because it's not that straightforward. Even though that my business, mm-hmm. my business is relatively relatively simple. So on climate change, here's a fun one. Then uh, uh, you pay uh, eighteen dollars per cow in Ireland, uh, obviously U.S. equivalent, uh, to counter the impact of flatulence. It's one hundred and ten dollars per cow in Denmark because supposedly cows account for more than nine percent of all greenhouse gas emissions. I don't know if that's true or not. I read it on the internet, so it must be. Uh, and livestock generally accounts for fourteen percent of all greenhouse gas emissions, which is actually more than uh, the total for all transport. Uh, so, so we're taxing cows for farting. Yes, exactly. A fart tax. I think that's probably a good point to end on, really, isn't it? But I mean, <laughs> but, but <laughs> just as so long as they stay with the cows. Uh, unless they're trying to get us to change our diet. But it, but it, there is that question, isn't there, through all of this. If you start saying, well, okay, tax is there uh, to try and control the, the, the amount of money which is in circulation. I thought that was a ginormous fart just then. It was actually a motorbike. No, it was actually back. a ginormous car going past <laughs> on the street outside, yeah. Yeah, thank goodness. So My farts aren't that's, that colourful. That's, that's good timing. But look, I mean, there's, so there's two things, isn't there? There's the controlling the, the, the money supply the money that's in circulation and using tax for that. So I've got a question on that. Who does that? Does the government do that or does the central bank do that? And then there's the other one, which is, you know, what we're talking about, how how tax is used to change behaviour. And, um, you know, that can be complicated. And and does that fall in government hands? And as we said at the beginning, for every tax that's introduced, there's an unknown repercussion, isn't there? So it could get very complicated as well. We want to try and keep it simple, don't we? 
But yeah, and, and, and ideally, you don't want a minority of people having to think about it, which is one you know, one of the few positive things I can say about the UK system is that if you didn't have uh, non-salary um, sources of, of taxation, you didn't need to do anything at all. Uh, the tax was taken out at source and you didn't even have to think about it. Um, that's preferable to where you've got to, you know, pour over codes yourself or go and hire an accountant to be able to fill out your annual tax bill. Um, but again, it, everything comes down to the, the the wealthy being the ones who can afford to use those to evade paying their fair share, and therefore they get more than their fair share of government money, and that's what keeps keeps them wealthy. Right. So the first part of that question was if it's all of, if the, if the key reason though is actually controlling the money supply, how much money is in circulation? Is that a job for the government, or is it a job for the central bank? It's a job for the government. The central central bank. Uh, is like it could be a job for the central bank in terms of if you had a financial transactions tax, and you had uh, taxation taking money out of the out of the uh, transactions between between banks and so on, the settlement accounts and individual uh, uh, transactions, share market transactions, and so on. It would be feasible to have some of that done through the central bank, but primarily this is a government function. And, ta- and taxes on uh, changing behavior of companies. So like, you know, a Google tax for online advertising to pay for industries that are being decimated by the online industry or just taxes on companies that get too big or too dominant. I mean, is that a good move or a bad move? Well, it depends on how it's done. But but certainly you you do want you, you do need to use taxes to shape behavior I mean, and, and the classical instances of those you know the congestion taxes and things of that nature to discourage people going into the city at all at the same time and you know you, that's a very effective mechanism to do that mm. so there are there are and, and taxes on smoking for example uh, which are there to make it you know too damn expensive you still don't avoid getting hooked, but it's a, it's a much more difficult process. But this is a little uh, bit different, isn't it? Because this is like an industry transitioning. So Google's there. It's changed. The, the, whole, the whole online industry has, has changed so many other industries. So should that online industry, should that new industry uh, be taxed to enable the transition from the old world to the new world? Well, I can one, I'll argue in favour of something like that for maintaining a, a journalism, which yep. is the, the one thing I've you know, been very conscious of because I've had a 50-year experience with working with journalists now, uh, is how much it's been degraded over the last 50 years by the failure to, to cope with the internet. So, yeah, I'd see a reason to say, okay, this tax goes back and this then supports independent journalism of some description, how you actually go back to the description of the difficult part. But, yeah. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, so we've covered it all, haven't we? Including window taxes, fart taxes, and taxes on people's names. Uh, I hope, and then taxes on superannuation from another country. That was good. Yeah, as well. I hope Rishi Sunak's listening because uh, plenty of material there. He doesn't have to stop just at uh, adding uh, adding extra uh, national insurance uh, tax to people uh, in the middle of uh, what's likely to be a recession. Uh, I'm sure he's going to live to regret that one. Uh, but, you know, he could introduce the fart tax just to, you know, just to finish us all off. Good to talk. <laughs> we'll catch you soon, okay, Steve. Mate. Thank you. Happy farting. Bye. <laughs> I think we might have found our level, don't you? Five years we've been doing this podcast, and now we're relying on fart jokes because we're running short of material. No, we are not. We never run short of material. We'll be back again next week with another one. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics,、uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy the Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search the Y Curve in your favorite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.